everybody. It's Movie Geeks United. Thanks for tuning in. The gang's all here, and we're going to talk about uh, a lot of the stuff that we've seen in the past couple of weeks. But first, uh, Jerry Lewis Dead, it was announced today. Um, so I want to give you guys your impressions of uh, of that. Well, I just read the um, the Variety uh, obituary, which led not with the good things that he had done for filmmaking, uh, the great things, uh, and for comedy, but really led with the his reputation of the past 20 years as an irascible old man uh who uh offended people with his uh with certain things that he said uh which yeah. certain things but uh, you know i i guess i i, I wouldn't have led with that <laughs> right. you know i mean, been I mean like jerry lewis death watch for like the last couple of months, that's not the last couple of years. I mean, this is not shocking. He outlived them all, man. Yeah. He did outlive everybody. I mean, but it, it was something that people were, I mean, this is not a shocker. I, mean, I was mowing the wall. My mom called me, oh, Jerry Lewis is dead. I'm like, okay, so it's finally happened. Okay, first of all, a great innovator, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic innovator. Uh, you know, you wouldn't have, uh, we wouldn't be making movies in the same way. Uh, without his uh, his uh, pioneering of well, particularly of of uh, video playback, he introduced that. Of course, way ahead of the curve on that uh, in the '60s. Uh, directorially, uh, you know, for me as a as an actor, uh, um, you know, obviously his greatest performance is probably The Nutty Professor from '63. And one of his great greatest movies, but that is part of a uh, you know when he when he I, the Dean Martin Jerry Lewis movies don't really hold a lot of weight with me. I mean I know they were huge back then, but I, I don't really go and look at those very often. Uh, but I do love those first. Uh, movies that he did as a director, uh, particularly The Bellboy, which is almost a silent movie, um, uh, filled with lots of great inventive uh, um, gags, uh, sight gags, uh, but also The Ladies' Man, The Aaron Boy, uh, Nutty Professor, of course, and uh, the the Patsy I have don't have very much uh, affection for, but I do like a movie called The Family Jewels where he plays mm-hmm. eight different characters. Uh, and then after that, it, it doesn't it's not so good, you know. <laughs> Once you get to the late sixties uh, or seventies and and into the eighties with terrible stuff like you know uh, cracking up and uh, and uh, uh, hardly working and stuff like that. Um, and of course, we have to talk about the day the clown cried, which I guess is now on the on the table to be released. Well, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's that. I mean, that, you know, let me be very honest. I mean, I wouldn't even take Jerry Lewis seriously until our, my friend uh, Sean Levy wrote a book called The King of Comedy about him. Uh-huh. So I mean, that was really my first for really even take him seriously when I came out in '95 or '96. Because I mean, I like don't get me wrong, King of Comedy, Cookie. Uh, he's, he's a wise guy, 
let's not forget that. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I love his, like I love his dramatic stuff. Yeah. There's a lot of great acting um, that comes, like, starting with the teen comedy on, that he really does a lot of great stuff. And he's in, like, has these, like, cameos and movies. That one with Johnny Depp, he did. Some people the Arizona, something Arizona. Mm-hmm. Now, he does, he has made some really good uh, movies. Um, from the 90s on, like late 80s, um, 90s. I mean, his work is just really, you know, pretty good. I mean, you actually take him very seriously because, you know, a lot of us, like the first movie, like, like theatrically, where they came back was hardly working. Um, not something that you really want to, you know, you know, one way or the other, you know, so you could take it or leave it. But, um, yeah. you know, he was something that was, Jerry Lewis, was, like for a lot of us, was a staple growing up just because that was what was on TV. Jerry Lewis movies. I mean, there were so many of them. Mm. Um, and also the telethon. You can't, the Labor Day telethon, I mean, that's just, right. I mean, who, how is how can it be Labor Day now? Tell me, let me ask you that. How the fuck can it be Labor Day now? Well, I mean, the Labor Day <laughs> telethon has been gone for a little while, so, yeah, I mean. Uh, how the hell can you even deem? Cancel Labor Day. Just cancel it. The hell with it. Cancel Everyone can go back to work on that Monday now. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, that that was a tremendous that was a tremendous you know, feature of his of his entire career, and the thing that actually won him the uh, the humanitarian award from the Oscars. You know, his mm-hmm. only his only uh, you know win or even you know anything close to an Oscar. Um, uh, but um, so I mean, yeah, he did a lot. He did a lot of good stuff for for people and. Uh, you know, it's funny. I I go back to that obituary. I I, I did find that offensive in in, in a big way, because uh, I don't feel like uh, I don't feel like Jerry Lewis has been besmirched forever by the, some of the things that he said over the past. You know, in in his older age, uh, I I don't think about any of that stuff really. Uh, even if it did offend some people, or, you know, and yes, what some of the. And I, I didn't read the variety of obituaries. Well, I mean, you know, well, I mean, you, you know that interview that he gave, you know, not even yeah. a year or two ago, where he was yeah. he was pretty nasty. Uh, I mean, I think that's something that that has that you know. I mean, I think a lot of people, for a lot of younger people, they've probably never seen a Jerry Lewis movie, frankly, and that's their only connection to him was that viral video. Of him you know, raking that interviewer, uh, obviously unprepared interviewer over the cult, who knew obviously knew nothing about his career, uh, uh, raking him over the cult for his stupid questions, which I thought was completely deserved. Well, uh, it wasn't that. It wasn't not knowing anything about his career. They they showed up late, and he was he was so he was already pissed off because they yeah. got the time wrong. But, so but it didn't really matter what he had. Good either. And, the, and the subject, the subject, the subject wasn't his movies. I mean, it wasn't his career. Uh, it was his career, but just in terms of working after ninety years old, that was, uh-huh. that was the topic of the article. So he didn't have to be an expert on, right? You know what he made in the fifties, right? But the questions were stupid. I thought. I mean, they were there. Well, if you don't want stupid <laughs> questions, all... you just don't interview with anybody, really. But I mean, yeah, I think it's wrong that they started with that. But uh, I mean, there was a big article years ago, and I forget what magazine or what online thing it was for. But he was on tour a few years ago, and uh, 
I mean, it really it really took him down a peg or two for basically being very abusive to his audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's another thing in, in general. About. In general, like a really not kind person. Now, mm-hmm. and then there's the controversial comments he said about you know women aren't funny, uh, uh, which a couple of people have made that comment and been shot down for it. Um, so, in his later years, I mean, people saw him as an uh, as an irascible, uh, sexist, just typically not uh, pleasant person. Mm-hmm. But uh, his uh, influence in the industry is, is pretty remarkable. I mean, you, there aren't many directors that you can point to and say they invented something that now everyone else in the film industry uses. That's true. Um, and, and, the, and his work as a director working on, in a genre that has never been uh, seriously considered by you know, the, uh, the elite – uh, critical mm. community. He put a a lot of art in those, um, mm. whether it be the choreography of the comedy or the colors. I mean, he the really use of the sound. Camera. Yeah, the use yeah. of sound. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, the inventive uh, quality of editing and so forth. He really enriched uh, those those first movies that he did in the sixties. Uh, really enriched uh, um, comedic filmmaking um, uh, in in a way that uh, well, obviously, you know, I mean, uh, you know, of course, he's famous for being loved by the French. But one of the reasons that the French critics loved him was be- was because of those movies and their uh, and their um, ability to infuse quality. Into a into the comedy genre, which is often kind of like you know, quality is not an issue uh, in terms of right. editing or camera work or sound work or whatever. Quality it often is you know uh, a secondary concern, you know, and uh, and uh, I think he pa- he paved the way for people like Mel Brooks to come in and further that, and then on and on it goes from there. Uh, still, well, and in, today, terms of his, in terms of his dramatic work, uh, mm. I think. Uh, look, I think that Jerry Lewis was an all-around performer. He he was an old-school kind of vaudevillian. Uh, I mean, he and Dean were as big as any big modern-day act that you can possibly imagine. Bigger. I mean, their their lives were changed. They did like multiple shows every day with. Uh, thousands and thousands of screaming girls, and I mean, it was it was a big deal. The two of yeah. them, as a oh deal. yeah, that was. Uh, was and he went he went from that into filmmaking and really made a uh, uh, made an impact in that area. And then he moved into some dramatic work here and there. And in terms of his dramatic work, especially with something like King of Comedy, and he admitted this. He said, you know, I didn't do anything in King of Comedy. I was just I was just kind of there. And I and I I can see that because when Jerry Lewis gave a performance, I mean it was all about physicality, and Scorsese for his needs of that movie he took all of that away and he was like just be mm-hmm. you know just just sit there, <laughs> and so yeah. people see this and they think oh my God what an amazing performance and and he's right I mean he's not really doing much physically he's taken away all of that kind of you know insanity, mm-hmm. which I think. Is, 
it, it, he's a cult, like a like a centered kind of calming in, uh, influence in that movie, and all the madness <laughs> is happening around him. Right. I think by the time we got to King Comedy, uh, Jerry Lewis watchers, fans, whatever you want to call them, maybe had thought that maybe Jerry Lewis couldn't turn it off. You know what I mean? He couldn't. He couldn't. Uh-huh. He, he couldn't turn off the comedy, and so that was what impressed people is that he was a, he was able to do that. that yeah, it uh, felt like a revelation, like uh, Jerry Lewis yeah, never seen I remember, before. But he was, remember, I mean, he was very thoughtful. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, no, you have it before. Before I think it isn't hardly working. Like maybe a couple months before King of Comedy, or just a year or so. A couple I mean, of you years. Have that just yeah, Chuck juxtaposition. I mean, it's it, you know, King of Comedy when it came out was I mean, you know, for you know, even though he says he didn't do anything, it was still a revelation when it came out. I mean, it, it was a whole new side of Jerry Lewis at the time. Um, it was it was a re, you know, regardless, it was a revelation uh, for for people like me, especially young kids who who had never seen him like that before. Never. But he was a. I mean, I mean, he he made his name for making these screwball, wacky, hey lady kind of comedies. He was a very thoughtful person. I mean, he he was a thoughtful artist, uh, and you could see that in interviews with you know the like the seventies interviews he would do with Dick Cavett, and where he was mm-hmm. able to talk about the art the art of what he did. Uh, and I'm, a, a couple of things I know that he liked to, he seemed to like to with withhold this air of mystery he never revealed why he started the mda telethon uh even though it was much of his life he 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 hosted it um and he always gave conflicting comments on the day the clown cried so you know i remember an ew interview where he finally agreed to talk about it in the press and he said no, it's a, it, 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 the question was. It's been said that you withdrew it from any kind of release, even though, you know, you hadn't finished filming it, but you probably could have filmed supplementary stuff to make it releasable. Uh, and it's said that you didn't do that because it was too, it was so bad. And he said, "No, I think I think the movie's amazing. It's an it, 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 it's an amazing movie, and it and people are going to be wowed when they if they ever see it." And then in another conversation, he'll say, it, it just sucked. It was an embarrassment that I had to discard it. Uh, so I think he liked having that kind of – it meant that people were talking about him. That people, it was in the conversation, you know, and we might see it. I mean some generation will definitely see it. It's at the – I think it's at MoMA, isn't it? It wasn't donated to Museum of yeah. Modern Art. Mm-hmm. And it was stipulated that twenty twenty five or something they can they can start screening it, something like that. Well, okay, I got to make it twenty twenty five. I have to make it till fifty five. <laughs> I have to make it till fifty five. Yeah, we keep we keep pushing this date back because all right, episode nine. We got to make it to episode nine. Uh, all right, now we're gonna make it to twenty twenty five for um, the day know. of the crowd So then after the day of the crowd uh, well, I can pass out, pass away. Max, uh, yeah. Max okay. Rose. Max Rose, uh, yeah, and once you get around to seeing it, you'll be like, is that what I was living for? What the hell? Uh, yeah, no, no, well, it, Max it, Rose it, it, ha- hasn't been seen very widely. You know? Yeah, I, that was I haven't movie. even 
Yeah, I haven't even seen it. I mean, technically, his last movie is is a movie called The Trust with uh, with uh, Nicholas Cage, uh, where he plays Nicholas oh. Cage's father. Uh, oh, that's technically his last movie. Now, Max Rose was filmed in 2013 and had so many, a lot of difficulties uh, before it finally got a theatrical release uh, uh, last year. So, but. Um, so technically, the trust is really his last movie that he shot. <laughs> movie that everyone says I would like, but I still haven't watched. Okay, it's um, good. It's good. It's good. It's a I small know, role I have it for on him. Netflix. No, yeah. I have it on Netflix, but I haven't. I just haven't gotten around to watching it yet. You know, so you know what another movie he was. What now? What is he What's playing the trust? He plays. He plays Nicholas Cage's father. Yeah. So I mean, he's only in it for about two or three scenes. Um, <laughs> that that idea but, just makes me laugh. <laughs> but uh, I, I really liked him in a pretty obscure little movie in, uh, from the '90s called Funny Bones, too, which is like that's a, a yeah. great movie. Yeah, that's a great good. movie. I mean, that's really you know. Let's talk about that's a really uh, another performance that gets lost when we talk about him. But that's a great gem of a film that was really Cisco and Ebert one. I remember who really championed that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's uh, it's it's like an uh, is it an Irish film? Um, I think so. I think it is with Oliver. Isn't Oliver Platt in it? If I'm not mistaken, am I am I mis yeah. am I mis misremembering that or? Yes. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. So I mean, a, an incredible career. I mean, it's it's really. It's it's you know it's difficult to to boil it down you know it's so incredible. Um, but uh, the, the Holocaust movie, it is a, if it was released at the time it was made, if it was you have to and it, and it still will make waves when it whenever it is finally seen by the masses. It is something to it is from what I have read, it would be just. So surreal to watch Jerry Lewis making a movie about the Holocaust is just something. Just wrap your head around that. For, you know, it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. Mm. Um, the the clown that entertains the children before they go die. I mean, it, it, it is something that's always just boggled my mind. I know that there's the Roberto Fagini yeah. movie, and that's not a bad movie, but I mean, this this would be something that we've never seen. Um, I mean, you was, know, uh, there, there was a Holocaust comedy, you know, of course, there was there were seven beauties. Uh, so, uh, but right, that, but even that was later like than Day the Clown Cried. <laughs> so, yeah, that was... No, but there's, some, there's, something about, there's something about the idea of Jerry Lewis playing a clown in a Holocaust movie. Yeah, no that, question. That, 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 that sounds like, that sounds like it's really bad taste. And yeah, and I'm, I, I know it wasn't intended to be, but maybe they watched it and they thought, no, there's no way around it. It's, it's in bad taste. Uh, maybe they were afraid of, it, it could have been he watched it and said, my, my career will end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We only did a version of the jazz singer uh, for TV uh, remake of the jazz singer, in which now I haven't seen it, but I, uh, I, it's on Amazon Prime, and uh, uh, in it 
instead of being a singer, he's uh, a clown. Uh, now, I'm not sure, quite sure when this was done. I think it, it seems like it was done in the late 60s, early 70s. So Day the Clown Cry could be sort of an offshoot of that in some ways, which I think mm-hmm. is kind of interesting. Um, but, um, yeah, a, a, an incredible career, uh, an incredible innovator, uh, and, uh, uh, you know, he might not be your cup of tea in terms of comedy, uh, but even if you, if you, if you don't think that he is your cup of tea, I would seriously urge anyone to go out and take a look at least at The Bellboy, which is a beautiful movie. Uh, beautiful mm. black and white widescreen movie. Uh, almost trippy in its, in its, in its uh, comedy. Uh, it's really, I think that's the one he really should be remembered for as a director, at least. Uh, but, of course, yeah. Nutty Professor uh, as a director and an actor. Uh, that's his greatest performance, mm. no question. So, uh, All right, so what 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 have we got? What are, what are we seeing? I know you guys are loaded for bear. I'm loaded. I'm loaded. Um, well, uh, why don't we talk about Logan Lucky? Have we all seen Logan Lucky? Well, can we go back a little further uh, and go back a, uh, a week or two ago? Can we go back to, to Intolerance? <laughs> can we go back to can we go back to can we go back to Birth of a Nation? <laughs> can we go back to Triumph of the Will? Uh, yeah. Olympia. <laughs> well, I want to go back to you know last weekend was a rough weekend for everyone. I think you know I don't think we have to we don't have to go into the details, but it was a pretty horrible weekend. It was so horrible that I was depressed. And I actually had to to. I'm saying this to the viewers. I actually had to call in to Jamie and say, I just can't make it. I can't think about it. I wanted to go out to the movies last weekend, and what I wanted to see was Detroit. Uh, uh, But last weekend wasn't the weekend to watch that. Uh, And even this weekend, it felt like homework. Uh, it's a very good movie. Uh, I assume. Have you seen it? Have Have you got seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. No, I've seen. No, I've seen it. No. So let's 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 talk, because it needs to be talked about. If we talk about nothing else today, let's talk about Detroit because it needs to be talked about. I don't think it's gotten its due personally. No, I mean, it, 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 and I do understand. It, it, it's a, it's a tough movie. Uh, I understand why a lot of people might not. Uh, relish going out to see it, particularly I guess in the summertime. Although I give them credit for releasing like a, uh, you know, a serious movie during summertime. That's fantastic. Um, uh, but uh, uh, I, I, uh, <clears throat> I, I, my main in- impression. First of all, I like the movie, so I'm, I'm just going to get to negatives, things that that I think that keep it from being a really great movie, uh, which it could have been. Um, the, to, for me, I feel like uh, you know we're going in there and we're okay. So this is a movie about the Detroit riots, but it's really not. <laughs> it's really about mm-hmm. the incident at the Algier Hotel, which was a uh, which was a you know uh, three three or four racist cops uh, routing a, a party with black uh, with a bunch of black men and two white women uh, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and the large majority of the movie, the 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 second act of the movie, I would say, is uh, really that's an hour in there 
with uh, those cops, uh, you know, torturing and killing some of the people at this party. Right. Uh, so for me, uh, that's fine, you know, and it, it is it is torturous and it is rough, and it's supposed to be. It's supposed to make you feel uh, horrible about it, right? Um, right. And, and everybody's everybody's great in it, uh, but I didn't really feel like the movie really touched on, you know, the the riots or. Uh, I mean, you know, there's that little thing at the beginning uh, that talks about the right. riots being being an, uh, an outgrowth of, of uh, uh, black oppression and poverty. Um, but I didn't really feel like they got to the bottom of that, really. Um, this was really more of a story that is more, uh, you know, trying to touch on the relevance of today by talking about police brutality against black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and absolutely that needs to be talked about. But I feel like there was a little bit of a bait and switch. Did you feel that, or am I wrong? I, I thought it a little bit. I, You know, it's a, it's a good movie. I, I think we need to stress that. It is a well-made movie. Um, but you're right. It's not really, you know, it's kind of misleading. It's not really about the riots at all. It's about that incident. At the hotel, and it and it is a hard film, I think, to sit through, on, and, and justifiably. I mean, you have to. You know, hey, well, I didn't want to sit through. Well, if you look at the subject matter, yeah, it's supposed to be hard to sit through. This is not like a, a you know, day in the park. I mean, this is a really brutal incident that that these um that all these people were involved with. So it is. Um, I mean, it is not. I mean, it's not a movie I, I want to revisit immediately, but it is something that. Uh, it, it's a movie that definitely, uh, you know, you're talking about last weekend. Yeah, it needs to be seen by more people than it has been. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it really does. It's, 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 I don't know, you know, whether... The sad thing is about this movie is that here we are, what, would it be 40 years later, Dean? And I think at least mm-hmm. 40 years later, and nothing has changed in that regard. Nothing. Nothing has changed, and I find that very. It's still going on. It's still going on. The movie could have been. The movie could have been set yesterday. Uh, That that whole scene could have been set. Oh yeah. In the present day. Yeah. He could have been. That's what I find so disturbing about it. I mean, just how much nothing has changed. Um, Yeah. Now let me just let me just say some of the negatives that I felt about it. I didn't feel that it was written uh, very sharply. Um, I felt like there were details left out. Uh, of course, that whole scene in the Algiers is really reconstructed from people's uh, people's testimonies and so, and so forth uh, like that. There's no real record of what was said or anything like that. And sometimes during that scene, I feel like it's, uh, kind of a uh, almost like an improv assignment mm-hmm. that's about to go off the rails in some ways, and I, I, I so I feel like it could have been written a little bit sharply, um, a, a little bit sharper. Um, you know, there's this all this search for the gun and so forth. You mm-hmm. know, because of, just to let people know, and I'm not giving too much away here. The the whole incident starts when a gentleman. Uh, a guy at the party fires a 
a toy pistol out of a window at right, some cops right. that are uh, that are uh, amassing nearby. And uh, but uh, when when the police are asking about where's the gun, nobody says anything. And to me, that's a little bit of a problem. I mean, I would think that in that situation, people would say, look, it was a toy gun. Uh, somebody was firing a toy gun, but we never see that. It takes, it takes almost – that whole sequence is almost over before a young – one of the white girls says, oh, it's, it was a toy gun. Uh, I was just like, why isn't anybody trying – who has their hands up against the wall trying to explain – what was going on um right and uh so so i mean I, I know that sounds like a minor thing but but it was frustrating to me uh in in the film uh i mean you know it's a film we can write it any way we want i mean nobody was there so let's try and you know but uh and also i felt there were some clichés occasionally uh, I thought this is gonna sound weird, but I thought there was entirely too much smoking in the movie. I mean, I think I, I think there's nothing more boring than seeing people smoke in movies, unless we're talking about a '40s movie where the smoke is lit brilliantly and everybody's great looking and everything. But like, you know, it's it's just kind of an irritant to me. Um, uh, I mean, literally every shot had somebody smoking in it, and people weren't smoking that well, much back then. <laughs> well, wait, 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 it's a very stressful situation, though. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think that's a now, it, you know, if it was today, yeah, I'd see, yeah, but now everyone vapes. I mean, I saw so many people vaping yesterday that um, I was just like, wow, how can you, how can, in their cars too, and it's like all this smoke coming out of people's yeah, windows. I'm like, what are you? Movie, Dean, if this movie, as you say, could have been made yesterday. If it was made yesterday, everyone would be vaping. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, that's I true. Mean, it's everyone, it's true. Yeah, that's very true. I don't. That didn't bother me. I didn't even notice it though. It, it, it's minor. It's minor. I'm, it's it's not, not something that really like. It's just a little irritant to me. It's a little personal peccadillo. And even though I'm a smoker, uh, I I you know I. I just find I find people like smoking and and drinking beers or anything on film to be one of the most boring pieces of business that actors can do. You know, it's just boring. <laughs> you know, there's just right, right, no right. two well, ways I, ara- I around it. I know. I understand um, what you're saying. I mean, I do understand that. Uh, but you know that this is minor. You know, some of my uh, there's just a, a certain cliches. It's also look. I'm gonna. I don't think I've ever talked about this on this show. But have 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 you guys ever noticed in movies? Maybe I have talked about this. Where where the, uh, I I find this to be like a piece of laziness in in terms of writing is when in movies. Or in television, people have to state, uh, I need you to do this. It, that's the key word, need. I think I've talked about this on this show, but it bears repeating. That whole thing of, I need you to do this, you need to do this, what that is, is a simple way of underlining for people maybe in the audience who aren't paying attention that this is the goal. I need you to do this. But you know what? People don't talk like that. <laughs> you know, people, 
when have you ever said, I need you to blah, blah, do, or do this, do that, uh, I need this? Like, really, people don't really use that word unless they're – Can I ask yeah. you the obvious, the obvious question to that? Does that mean the movie's not getting the job done? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. not. It's not. Okay. I, I feel that it's. I, I feel just had that to throw that in there. I'm sorry. It's, I la- I, it's a. It's a lazy thing. In fact, I. I have a theory. What if, what if the? Well, let me just tell you my theory. <laughs> I think. I think that in uh, script writing programs, you know, script writing computer programs, I think that there's, you know, there comes a time when they're writing, and then the computer pops up and says. You have to put in a declarative statement stating your goals, the main character's goals and and, uh, and wants, you know. So so you need to put this in there. Use the word need, you know. Uh, it's, it's just not. Because, it's not the screenwriting program. It's a, it's a, it's you've actually hit on something much much deeper. You've hit on screenwriting courses. Uh huh. You've hit on screenwriting one hundred and one. That's been the plague, you know. And the book about movies. In books, and, the books and yeah. the courses, the form. There's a, there's a reason when we say things are formulaic. There's actually a root cause, I think, of this, and it comes out of the books and screenwriting courses and the whole idea that there needs to be, you know, all these things and there's a checklist. You know, these are not how people write things, you know, organically, but they have a checklist. And I think you've hit on something that yes, it's obviously it's in Final Draft and Movie Magic screenwriting. Yes. Well, you have to. You're actually here in the second act. You better get your work together, by, buddy. You know, by the you know they have this. Uh, by the third page, you have to have stated your blah 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 and blah yeah. blah, and you have to have done this. And if you don't, if you don't adhere to the formula, then then you're fucked or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just. I mean, well, it could, it could also be. It could also be like, you know, I'm not talking necessarily about this instance, but you know, it's for all movies. <clears throat> when they go through all the committees, all the committees of people that green light and finance and all that kind of stuff, I honestly think that a lot of those people read the scripts or view early cuts, and uh, they watch them as the absolute dumbest person on the face of the earth. So uh-huh. they can say, oh, I don't understand that. I don't understand that. We need something that explains that motivation. We need something that uh, – so they can uh, appeal to every everyone with – with ten dollars in their pocket, mm-hmm. <laughs> or fifteen dollars. I mean, yeah. But it's just such oh, yeah, a when I when I hear the word, when I hear the phrase, I need you to do something, or we need to do this. It's such a dog whistle for me. It's like up, uh, bop, 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 laziness, laziness. People don't talk like that. They just don't. <laughs> so. Find another way. Say, say we have to get over here. That's fine, but this whole thing about needing something is, uh, you know, lame. But that's just one of the cliches. There's, there's also certain things like how the, how the extras are directed. You know, they're, you know, that whole thing of like seeing real phony kind of extras in the background and stuff. You know, like yeah, overacting like, like for the camera. Weeks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You, you know, real phony sort of uh, things, and I could have done without some of the music. Although, uh, you know, uh, I thought the period detail was really good, but uh, uh, and the music choices were good, and and I did appreciate that they were using, you know, the the real story of the dramatics, you know, the the band, 
right. uh, to to tell the story. Uh, and of course, you can't have a can't have a movie set in '60s Detroit without Motown and stuff. But right. uh, I don't know, just some of that. I just I thought the movie was a little too long. But I think that's my main concern is that I thought it was just a, just maybe 20 minutes too long. I, I frankly would have cut out the first 20 minutes, you know, uh, uh, with with all the stuff and just gone right into the Algiers, <laughs> you know. Just gone right into that uh, uh, because I, I, it, it's not a movie about the Detroit riots. It's it's really not. So, um, but all of this said, it, it's a very very good movie. It's just not the great movie I was hoping for from Catherine Bigelow. Mm. Um, so, but anyway, so okay. well, it's it's an interesting it's a, it's it's an interesting uh, the few people that have seen it. Which seem to seem to be relegated to the critics, the uh, quote unquote. Uh, you know, they're fighting back and forth about it, <laughs> about what, whether it's in poor taste, whether it it is a it is in itself a movie that wallows too much in in kind of the pornography of torture. Mm. Um, so it's it's a, it's a debate going back and forth. There are some people that say, look, this this is the closest we've gotten to a do the right thing for this generation, and there are mm. others that say, you know. It's, it's a, oh, well, there's a also, you know, there's another, let's not forget, yeah, there's a, let's, I mean, you guys have probably already talked about this, but let's not forget there was a review um, before the movie came out that was offended that white people made the movie. Um, well, let's not forget that. I mean, if we keep bringing that up, then white people, white directors will never make any movies with black and actors. I, and I agree with you. So, I agree. so I we can't. That was a very immature review. I really that, thought that, is, that, that was, is what a lot of people. That's that's the, Jerry's right. That's what a lot of detractors are essentially saying. So, I mean, it's a fascinating experiment that could never be, <clears throat> because you just once something is in your consciousness, you can't reverse it. But it would right. be interesting if this if the same movie. The exact same movie, shots and everything, had a black director at the helm. If if those detractors would say anything different about it, right? Just yeah. by virtue of having a black director, but being mm-hmm. the exact same frame for frame. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. All right, but uh, okay. So on to Logan Lucky. Um. Which uh, which will probably engender a lot less conversation, but uh, that said, I really had a good time at it. Uh, yeah, it's I, so much fun. I mean, and can I just say something? Just totally, Katie Holmes is banging in this movie. I mean, is she just gotten better looking as she's gotten older, or what? I mean, <laughs> she opens that door to Channing Tatum, and she's just banging. I'm sorry. I mean. That just takes you right. You're just like this movie's gonna rock. I mean, you know. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean, I mean, she's never looked this good on on screen. I'm, I mean, she's just never looked this good. Not certainly not that remake of Don't Be Afraid of the Fucking Dark or whatever. But I mean, well, it's really been a long time good. since she's been in a movie that's worth even talking about. But well, uh, right, that's um, true. I mean, it's really been a long time. It seems like, but. Um, yeah, it's a really great cast. I mean, let's let's it's get awesome. that right out of the way. Everybody yeah, is fantastic in it. Um, uh, you know, right down to uh, the uh, little girl Sarah McKenzie that plays uh, oh, Channing Tatum's daughter. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, but uh, everybody's good at it. Uh, I think the real standout for me was Daniel Craig. Um, yeah. I thought he was uh, really, really funny in it, which is something – I don't. I don't think I've ever really seen him in a comedy. So no, he's um, never. I don't think he's ever been allowed to be funny. He felt he looked so liberated during yeah. the whole movie, and that's not, that's not a criticism of his performances in other films. It's just the guy is really funny. I mean, he's actually really if given the right material. He he's just and he's having a time. That everyone's having a time in their life in this movie. I mean, yeah, it looks like it was a real fun movie to. Uh, to be in and, uh, right. uh, uh, you know, in its own way, of course, you know, they use the joke in the movie that it's, it's ocean seven 11, uh, which <laughs> is, is really funny, but, uh, uh, it, it's, it's as fun as those movies. I will say this, <clears throat> that a few, a few negatives, um, I didn't really find uh, – beyond his first scene in the movie, I didn't really find that Seth MacFarlane needed to be in the movie anymore. Uh, yeah, like I just – When they cut back to him later on in the movie, uh, I mean, he, he's, got a, a, he's got a very good scene uh, early on where he's humiliated mm-hmm. by uh, Adam Driver, who's also extremely funny in the movie, yeah, and, uh, and Channing Tatum. But after that, you know, they try and work him into the movie some more, and it, that doesn't really work. It feels it feels pat like it's padding, um, uh, and uh, <clears throat> I also felt like <clears throat> the the movie has a weird structure because <clears throat> uh, you know it's a very complex heist, uh, and they don't explain a lot of stuff, so you really have to pay attention. There's a oh, lot yeah, of stuff. I, I still don't know. There's, for instance, there's a scene where they're painting roaches uh, that they're going to yeah. use in the heist, and I still don't know why they were painting the roaches. Uh, um, uh, uh, and uh, there's certain little details that get lost in some of the confusion uh, uh, of the uh, of the third act, uh, and then then there is really the third act uh, of when Hillary Swank comes in. Which, when you're in the theater, Hillary Swank comes in as an FBI investigator investigating the, the heist. But there's a feeling while you're watching the movie that the that the movie should be over after the heist, and yes. that's one of the most unpleasant feelings that moviegoers can have is the feeling that oh, the movie is over, and then you find out oh no, there's still 30 minutes more to go. Uh, that's so, not pleasant. Let's let's let's. Now this is a very interesting thing, and this is, this involves Hillary Swank. Is Hillary Swank in her later career going to go down as this character, the actress who does not appear until the third act? I mean, this and the other one most notably is the Black Dahlia. She doesn't mm. even show up. I mean, until an hour and forty minutes into that movie, so she has she has in some ways become this like. The queen of the third act arrival, um, but mm. just in that movie. I mean, it's it's a very interesting thing because it's, it's something that's very notable. But because you are waiting, you know, you're thinking, well, wait, Hillary Frank's supposed to be in this movie. Where the hell is she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, she she shows up with Mason Blair of all yes, people. Yeah, I know. Oh my <laughs> that was God. pretty cool to see him in it. But um, uh, yeah, it, it just felt like the the third act was like, oh gosh. You know, this is kind of unfortunate. Also, the movie is very funny 
in its first half. But oh, yeah. in its um, last half, it's not so funny anymore. Uh, and I'm not saying that it's not funny because it gets real deadly serious. But there's just not any real laughs in it. You know, it's it's uh, it feels it feels like some of the comedy. I I guess because we get so wrapped up in the plotting of it mm-hmm. that, that they, it's almost like they forgot about the comedy. Uh, they, they forgot about like I would have. I would have added more Adam Driver in there to right. more, given him more things to do because I feel like he and Channing Tatum kind of get lost in 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 a certain part of the movie, and uh, they're they're the characters that that really engender a lot of the laughs and, and of course yeah. Daniel Craig. And um, another guy who, who's very funny actually is Sebastian Stan, who a lot of people know as the Winter Soldier from the Captain America. And Marvel movies, he's actually surprisingly funny. Mm-hmm. Um, that caught me. That caught me off guard. Um, and I and I got to see from the trailer at first. I thought it was Bill Hader, given his look and the hair and everything. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my god! And I was like, oh my god! That's Sebastian Stan. Wait a oh, wait a minute. <laughs> see, I I really don't know Sebastian Stan, so I didn't really you know from those. Yeah, movies, I would, that's so, what I mean. I, I only yeah. know him from those from the Marvel movies. So the whole idea there's this whole other side of him, obviously that. Um, you know, in the, in the audition or casting process, they're like, okay, this guy's actually more than what he is. You know, he's mm-hmm. actually very, you know, he can be very funny given the right material. So that was another thing. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, it is like a redneck first lemon or someone, as they said this morning on the Today Show. Um, they, I saw an interview with Adam Driver this morning, and, and that is what they are billing it as. Um, and, and you know. It, it is. I mean, and, and I mean that in a good way, not in a bad. I know that's a negative connotation in some ways, but it's a fun. It's a fun movie. It's a fun late summer. How did it do this weekend? I don't it know. Did I have pretty I poorly. <laughs> it did pretty poorly. It came in third, which is really a shame. I mean, what came in first was the Hitman's Bodyguard, which is a movie I don't even know what it is. Like so. Oh, it's the Sam uh, Jackson. No, I saw. Hey, guys, oh, guys, that's the Sam Jackson Ryan Reynolds thing, not, right? It's not a bad movie. It's not. That's not a bad movie. I actually expected that to be the number one movie. Although, um, I, I thought you know I have to say when we a late showing of Logan Lucky, and on Thursday night, we were like two of um, eight people in the audience. I mean, I don't know if they're wearing it. I mean, I know they've been advertising this thing like crazy, but it's not. It is an indie release, though. It's not a major studio. There's no major studio distributing this movie. Yeah, right. Well, that's why you know that's why I'm asking because I'd like it to do well because of that. I'd love it to do well. I'd love him to make more. I wish Steven, I hope Steven Soderbergh will continue. I mean, he it's a great return for him and making a major motion picture. Not that he's ever he, – he has yet to really make a bad movie in my estimation. So, um, for me, for me the only bad movie he's ever made was – and this comes from somebody who hasn't seen Full Frontal, the only movie by him I haven't seen. But uh, I, I, I'm not uh, a fan of the good German but, no, I don't uh, think any. I don't think anyone. That's the Thomas Newman soundtrack. That's about the only thing I can really recommend for that movie. Um, yeah, but, and, but otherwise, otherwise he's got an amazing track record, and he really, yeah. uh, he really is about as reliable as uh, any film director is out there is. So. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a. It's obviously you know. I think it's a shame that people aren't going to see it. 
I don't know why you wouldn't go see this because it looks like it has action. It looks like it has comedy. Uh, it looks like it has you know it has car racing. It has uh, it has uh, uh, great stars. Uh, you know I, I love I love also Riley Keough who's really she's good. She's she's fantastic. She's hysterical. And uh, um, uh, so it, it's it's got great stars like from all all different places. Uh, why wouldn't this movie do well? Uh, is it that old thing of like, well, if it smells like it's going to be good, I'm going to stay away from it. <laughs> that might disturb I, me if it's actually good. Can I actually throw out something that maybe we, we've touched on, but we really haven't talked about in full? Let's be honest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the movies are actually – for the most part, there's always, I think there's something decent to go see. I think what we are dealing with is a generational seismic shift here. Piracy is playing a big deal here. People can stay home. I could right now go on my computer and I can find every movie that's open this summer and up to this weekend and actually in the next couple of weeks is online. Mm-hmm. It may not be great copies. Uh, I know people who actually wait for the HD copies to come online. Mm-hmm. But you can watch anything you want on your computer free of charge. You can, let's and I re- often do. <laughs> I often do. Let's not because... rule that out. Let's not rule that out, though. Let's not, let's, that's actually a much bigger thing than we want to admit on this show. And I do think that plays into it. Of course there are some, there are some bad movies out there. There's some big, there's some big stinkers out there, The Dark Tower. Um, there's some really big stinkers out there um, that aren't going to do well. Um, but there are some really good movies that people are going to watch, you know, in the privacy of their own home online or at work or something, and they're going to do that. And we ha- I, I don't think that's – we can't really discount that notion anymore. Well, um, I mean, uh, uh, you know, until they start reporting on, you know, I guess maybe somebody is reporting on, you know, the the movies that were most illegally downloaded or whatever, but I mean, uh, and in fact, I have seen you know list of that. But um, mm. there's no way to then there's no way if if people aren't going to see paying to see them, there's no way to really quantify how good a movie is doing or how how many yeah. eyes a movie is actually getting in front of. Uh, yeah. So I mean, that's a that's big, kind of, that's a, it's a big thing, yeah. and it does decimate an industry. I mean, there is going to come a time. Um, in a couple of years, that this really does, you know, people say, well, why aren't they releasing that many movies? De- the, the industry is decimated. I mean, it happens to all a lot of things. I mean, it will happen to TV because a lot of people are not going on Netflix or Amazon to watch shows or getting torrents of them. Um, it does happen. Um, so when you have people not paying for something and when there's not a profit anymore, things go by the wayside. Um, it, it's it's something that is going to if it's I don't know how you stop it the genie's out of the bottle I don't know how you really there's no way to really stop it um, mm-hmm. but it is something to take into consideration as another cause and when we talk about movies not doing well people can watch them another way they don't have to pay fifteen bucks they can watch it on a on their phone or on their computer, you know, late at night or something, you know. Um, just a, just a thought, just an idea. I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, of course, Movie Pass, the uh, mm-hmm. the 
I guess uh, they were offering uh, $45 a month, and you get a pass to get you into one movie a day for all month. So you could see 30 movies in a month for $45. Well, now they've gone down to 10 They're proposing a $10 a month movie pass. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, I just mentioned that. Uh, I don't, uh, you don't really have anywhere else to go. I mean, sounds like a good deal to me. Uh, I don't, I don't know. uh, I don't know what it's going to mean in terms of profits for people. Uh, but, um, I, I I just, you know, I guess I just mentioned it just as a, as a service announcement for people out there, you know, uh, that, uh, this is going to, this, this is going to happen, I think, and uh, and that's a great deal. So, but um, it's an awesome deal. Yeah, a- a- AMC deal. AMC is uh, not happy with it. Oh, but no, here's no, the thing: we all, we always like anytime there was a free screening or something, where there was a press screening where we had 300 people in an auditorium that uh, didn't pay admission. Uh, that was always a good. A, a good thing for us. I mean, this sounds crazy, right? But be- because the the metric for financial success, more often than not, for a movie theater, were the concessions. Mm-hmm. And so if 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 you take if you let three hundred people buy concessions that didn't pay admission, that ratio of of profit raised like yeah uh, automatically. The so what they call the per cap. <laughs> yeah, you know. for for us it was called for us it was called per head. So mm-hmm. uh, and so if our per head was like in the four or five dollar range, we we're like, geez. And it was always because people got in for free for a screening. Yeah, so, yeah. That's that's my experience too working at film theaters. So uh, yeah, that's true. So maybe maybe that's how it'll work. Uh, so you know we we can we can hope so. I, I want I want the theaters to to be profitable. I don't want theaters to go away. And uh, the studios that the studio should hate that deal. Like I don't see why AMC hates it. The studio should hate it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's what I'm. Yeah. That's what I'm really. Uh, referred to, yes. So, anyway, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Well, one of the movies that uh, that is released this week uh, in theaters that uh, I, I also did see on the torrent. I'm just whispering to everybody. I did see it that I way. I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. <laughs> but uh, but it's really great and uh, and. See it any way that you can. Uh, pay for it if you if you want. I don't pay for it because I'm I'm here. I want to promote them. So, but this movie is called Dave Made a Maze, and it's by a director. Oh yeah! Named... Oh yeah! It's on demand, guys. It's on demand. It's on demand. Yeah, it's uh it's made by a, a, a filmmaker Bill Watterson, who's an actor. It's not the same uh, Bill Watterson that did did uh Cal- is Calvin and Hobbes done by Bill Watterson as well. So. Yeah, yeah, there is a Bill, there is a Watterson that does that, but no, I wouldn't imagine it would be that Bill no, there's no way. There's no way yeah, no, no, it's not it's not the same guy. But he's an he's an actor turned turned director, uh that has done this movie that's uh incredibly inventive. Uh it's gonna sound stupid when I'm describing it. 
But uh, basically, it's a movie about a guy, a uh, frustrated artist that's never completed anything in his life. And uh, uh, his girlfriend comes home one day and dis- uh, after being away for a weekend or something and discovers that he has built a maze out of cardboard in, his apart- in their apartment. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he's, he's stuck in the maze. And she invites some friends over to come in and maybe he tells her, stay out of the maze because it's a lot bigger inside than it looks from the outside. Uh, And so uh, she invites her friends over. One of them is a filmmaker played by James Urbaniak, who you might remember played Robert Crumb in uh, uh, American, uh, American Splendor. But was also uh, also just a kind of a treasured character actor from from Canada. Uh, but he's also um, Henry Fool, isn't he? In Henry Fool. Henry Fool, yeah, that's probably One his of most his famous role. Performances. I mean, that that whole he's great in He's Henry Fool. That's not that's not yeah. the guy short. I mean, so no, he's good. He's good. So he plays a he plays a filmmaker that's uh, documenting their foray into the maze, and when they do get in the maze. Uh, which they don't waste a lot of time in this movie. It's a very short 80-minute movie. But uh, when they do get in the maze, the movie gets really good uh, because it is a lot bigger inside. And it's just a great sort of – I won't say it's a great movie. It's got some problems. But uh, I really appreciated it for uh, for – I guess it's a movie about uh, seeing things through and uh, the power of imagination. And uh, really the movie illustrates the power of imagination because it really, uh, when you get inside of it, it, it's, it, it gets wildly inventive in terms of its, uh, in terms of its uh, art direction, uh, its photography, uh, even its costume design. Uh, they go into the special effects get a little uh, uh get very interesting they use a lot of interesting sort of in camera effects not not a lot not a lot of c g i stuff uh lots of old fashioned effects um there's even a sequence with puppetry in it uh it's just a very, it gets very very inventive look if you like movies uh the movies of people like Terry Gilliam or uh, there's there's even sort of a David Lynchian there's a Lynchian quality to some aspects of it. Um, I would recommend this. Also, also Spike Jones. It, 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 at times, it kind of reminded me of something like uh, being John Malkovich or something like that. Uh, so, a, a, a really, really very, very good movie. Very, very entertaining. Uh, and uh and just kind of a visual feast in in its own sort of low budget way um so i highly recommend no i've that. only heard um good things about that i mean paul osborne who um directed official rejection has been um just going on and on about how wonderful this movie is so um i really i do want to check it out at some point um it's good really have been championing it um uh, uh what mean, else have you seen well, let's go. All right, so all right, we'll, we'll, we'll go. Well, Logan Lucky, I like. I, I do think the Hitman's Bodyguard. If you're just looking for something fun, like Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds, it's actually a really funny movie. Um, mm-hmm. really violent though too. I mean, just really the body count of that movie. I was just thinking about it after watching it. 
Okay. Horribly so wrong. Okay. I mean, everything that you could think go wrong goes wrong. Right. And, right. And so he's Robert Patterson's only out for himself. Um, he's really every everything he does. I mean, we talk about a screenwriting one on one script. This is kind of that. Do you think how do I get my protagonist or he's an antagonist here? If you want to, either way, the movie. It's like I want to say it reminds me at times of After Hours and Dog Day Afternoon at times, just given mm-hmm. it's a New York movie. But his character, he's so intent. He's just thinking, what can I do to get what I need? You know, you, he doesn't say I need you to do this, but he might as well right. say that. Now, going back to what you're talking, your criticism of Detroit, because his whole thing. But it's like everyone he interacts with. Is there, you know, everyone he meets, you just went, my God, that person's life is ruined now. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, this man is like, this man is like really, like, going back to that, uh, he's, a, he's like a week of, worst week of yellow shit storms if there ever was one. I mean, this guy's just well, awful. And I, I mean, you know, that kind of falls into into Heaven heaven Knows What, too, which is also another movie about a protagonist who who tends to ruin everybody's uh, uh you know, everybody's good time or whatever. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, uh, so I mean, they they I they obviously specialize in in getting down into the gutter. Uh, oh, uh, they, are, the, they never the rise directors. above it. Yeah, they never rise above it. I mean, it's movie, it, uh, but it's a good movie, though. It's a good movie. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. it's a well, I mean, I, re- movie. I remember sports. years ago, <clears throat> years ago when I talked to them, the Safdie brothers. They were uh, talking about their love I, uh, when it came to their favorite film artist. They were talking about their love of Dustin Hoffman and mm. particularly Straight Straight Time. Right? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's, and, yeah, that's and, definitely. And so when I when I saw like stuff about Robert Pattinson in this movie, and like I don't know I don't know anything about the movie. I haven't seen it, but I I got like a early Hoffman vibe, like a. Rizzo Rizzo Straight Time kind of <laughs> yeah, vibe from just he, he looking at it. It's certainly like that. I mean, that's a good. That's actually good. Um, that's actually right. As far as the the actor, an actor in straight in using Straight Time is a very good example. Mm. I saw the well, they wrote movie. the movie. I mean, the, the one that, the one that I interviewed them for was Daddy Long Legs, and I saw that. And yeah. and, and that was another another movie that was kind of gutter. I remember very little about okay, it, except so they really the tone are. and the feel of it. Yeah, yeah. So they've never really gotten out of that then. They really like, this is like their, they like this atmosphere. This is their they realm. Like this genre. Yeah. This is their, they're not going to, and this is going to be, I think this is the widest release they've ever had for a film. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because of Pattinson, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean they wrote the thing for him apparently. They because uh, he had approached them about another script that they had that uh, he had gotten a hold of. He wanted to be in that script. And they said, "Well, he's not really right for this, but we'll write something for you." And so this is what they came up with. And uh, I, I I think they're really good filmmakers. You know, uh, oh no, they um, are. I, I mean, uh, they're they're very good filmmakers. So they're they're very promising and. Uh, uh, they're probably, uh, you know, they've got a visual style, which is, which is good, uh, that they've kept consistent. Uh, I haven't seen Daddy Long Legs, but, uh, um, I think I've seen that. That I think I have seen. So yeah, that makes sense. This is all make 
there is like this, they specialize in this gutter realm. I mean, they really do. Um, you know, movie. if they Don't were, wrong. It, if if they were making you know movies on thirty five millimeter, they'd be all scratchy and kind of you know the press yeah, would be I mean, all scratchy and grainy and everything. So they have to throw out props to the soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. I mean, I actually at times feel it's intrusive. The soundtrack. Um, it almost has like that kind of Nolan effect. The music overtakes, you know, where mm. sometimes the noise overtakes everything in a Nolan film. Uh, the music overtakes so much. You're like, guys, don't you want to lower the music in this scene so I can hear what Jennifer Jason Lee's trying to say? <laughs> I mean, sometimes, I, I yeah, that that's that's an, that is an irritating thing for me. Uh, but, but it um, is a good movie. It yeah. is. It is. I do. I do recommend it. Um, I was just kind of. Thunderstruck by just like how everyone he meets, he just ruins their life completely. Yeah. So what was the what was the uh, third movie? Uh, the third movie we watch is on demand. It is the third trip movie, a trip to Spain with Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, and it's incredibly well done. Like the other two, um, Michael Winterbottom. So they're playing themselves. They go to tour up Spain um, for restaurant for restaurant reviews and. It's really good, guys. I mean, it's just more of the same, but but that it is that more of the same. same but is, I enjoyed is, it. Yeah, I mean the trip. Uh, which what was the trip they were going from into France, right? Uh, yeah, so then they, they did, did a trip to Italy, trip to Italy, and then trip to Spain. So it's yeah. it's really just more of those two guys, you know, uh, snipping at each other, doing doing uh, imitations, and uh, with uh, and and uh, uh, and what's his name, uh, uh, Steve Coogan, trying to get laid and and trying to patch well, up they, also his home life. Not, I actually strongly recommend this one because they talk about. Even though I think the span of these movies is only a couple of years, it's not like this thing. It's only been going on the last like what four or five years, I think. They they managed to crank these out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're talking about middle age and how they're in the sweet spot of their life, approaching fifty or at fifty, and they're in the sweet spot of their life. But this one ends in such a way there has to be a fourth one. I mean, mm. you're sort of. I think you're. I mean, there there's there's so many more countries to visit. Should well, yeah. I mean, they've got to do TV America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, when they could do it with um with Guy Fieri and Anthony Bourdain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, is, doesn't it seem more suited to be a TV series? Well, it is a TV point. series in Britain. Uh, in Britain, okay. when we get when we get the movies, um, they they've taken the six epi- six thirty minute episodes of the TV series that aired in the UK. And cut it down okay. to you know basically basically an hour thirty an hour forty five. So you're really wow. You're really only you're really only getting half of the thing really if you're watching it as a movie. It's really a TV series. So well, uh, that's, that's so you mean it's like Das Boot almost. Like remember Das Boot is like what a six eight hour miniseries in Germany originally. So yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, yeah. So that's I, that's cause the this, deal. I just think this yes. game is in such that's a way. trip to Spain is just like Das Boot. Well, that's how they they are kind of. <laughs> it's a banana, but you, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the technique game. God damn it! I'm I know. About the I know. Buddy. I know. I know. I'm man. making a bizarre analogy. I realize that, but I'm trying to get my point across as best yeah. I can. Thank you. <laughs> 
it's also like Fanny and Alexander, you know. It's like, you know, in that way too. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, uh, but um, hey, listen, can I mention? Uh, can I mention a movie that we talked? You mentioned a few <clears throat> uh, months ago, I guess, uh, Jerry. Please. Uh, I saw this last. I saw this last night. And I have to say, I think it's one of the great movies of the year. And that's uh, Beatrice at Dinner. Um, really, really strong movie. I'll tell you what. That director, uh, Miguel Arteta, is mm-hmm. really, seriously, one of the most underrated directors out there. Um, uh, I... You know, he, he he's another one of the indie directors that kind of does a lot of television uh, in between doing his movies. But uh, from uh, from Chuck and Buck, uh, I've never seen Star Maps, his first movie. Oh, but but oh, with you've got to you've got to see Star Maps. You've okay, got but to. yeah, uh, I'll try and I'll try and find it. But uh, Chuck and Buck, uh, the Good Girl. Um, Youth and Revolt, uh, Cedar Rapids, uh, and all the way up to this film. Uh, I mean, that is, that is a pretty dang good uh, lineup of, of movies. But this is uh, actually kind of head and shoulders above all of those movies, I think. Uh, I think this is his first really great movie. Um it's first with, almost adult movie in many ways. Yeah, like it, it's it, 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 it well, it's a little less concerned with kind of uh, lowbrow humor, I guess. Uh, and uh, uh, I, although Chuck and Buck is, is also one that uh, is pretty. Oh, is, Chuck and Buck is, is a dark, dark movie. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty. I mean, it's, Chuck, it, it's got it's you know, but they're all good movies. Uh, but this one. Uh, just felt like um, it just it just had a, a it had a grace to it that I thought was uh, very very amazing. Salma Hayek plays a, um, a holistic healer uh, um, and uh, who, who uses you know sound therapy and massage and 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 meditation to heal people from from great sickness. She's she's kind of a, an extreme empath, extre, uh, extremely empathetic, um, who can an empath who can feel the pain of others very easily. Uh, she uh, so she's visiting a um, client, a very very rich client, uh, and her car breaks down, and. Uh, it's uh and then she has to stay for dinner uh they're gonna have a dinner party uh, in which one of the 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 people throwing the dinner party are connie britton and and david warshawski uh and then uh, chloe savini shows up uh with jay duplass and that's right yeah <laughs> and then uh and then john lithgow shows up as kind of a kind of a a rather Donald Trump-like character, a real estate mm-hmm. developer who's famous for being famous and famous for, for kind of being an asshole to people, mm-hmm. and uh, his wife, Amy Landaker, 
And basically, the whole movie is about uh, Salma Hayek's kind of shocked reaction to the uh, to the way that these upper class people uh, act, uh, what they're doing in their work lives, and mm. how how they are treating people uh, in their um, in their private lives, mm-hmm. uh, because you know, like almost everybody, even though Salma Hayek's character is such such a sweet character in it, so sweet, so um, so loving. She wants to talk about real things, and these are people that are uh, real emotions, and these are people who are kind of cut off from their emotions, and really their only emotion to someone showing emotion is kind of to sneer at them, right? And um, and to kind of make it into some kind of joke. Ah, you're being a or whatever, you know. So this is a great movie, a great movie. And a, a very very sad movie too. It's it's oh, th- there's some funny sad. stuff in it, but it is it is it is steeped in sadness, a sadness that comes from being overwhelmed by the meanness of the world. Um, and Lithgow is great in it, but really, it's uh, and let me just say. Another great screenplay from Mike White, who also wrote Chuck mm-hmm. and Buck, and uh, and has another. Hasn't he I, written all the? Or I think he's written all of his movies. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong I'm, about that, but uh, he definitely did Chuck and Buck, and also The Good Girl. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure about the others, but um, but uh, this this is another fantastic uh, screenplay uh, from him, and uh, a beautiful score from Mark Mothersbaugh. And um, uh, just, just you got to see it. You, you know, got to see it. Amazing about the movie is that Salma Hayek is given this, you know, by accident, this peek into this world. I'm sure she must have known her character must have known that these people were like this. But I, I think she's so repulsed when she does. When she is allowed to sit at the table, how easy to sit at the table, and she's allowed like, to sit I mean, at the table. That's true. I mean, they, they, yeah, she's I mean, literally, she's almost disallowed from sitting at the table. The, the 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 husband character in the movie, who's a real asshole, says, "Why did she just eat her dinner in the, in the kitchen? You know, yeah. instead of joining us at the, uh, just uh, boy, there, there's a lot of shitty people in it, uh, but." Uh, 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 Lithgow is great in it, by the way, as, as the Trump character, and uh, uh, I, I, you know, I can't say enough good things about it. It's really, really uh, one of my favorites of the year. So, and I'm so glad to see Salma Hayek do get a role like this too. I think uh, I think it's an amazing role. Well, I think because she has been, she was one of the early. What's great about what about what's great about her being in this movie? She was one of the first major. Actor, actors, actresses to really come out against Trump, saying, "You know, hey, this guy's not who. This guy's no good." Mm-hmm. So she gets to really make a movie where she can really articulate that, um, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's also rewarding. Regardless of what our conservative critics will say about this episode, it is really great to see her be able to put it into energy creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I did appreciate that. 
Yeah. At the same time, if if you watch the Charlie Rose where he interviews Salma Hayek and John Lithgow, I mean, John Lithgow is very articulate about his character, and he understands his character's shortcomings. But he, he like all actors, he comes at it from uh, an, a, a, a viewpoint of empathy mm-hmm. uh, and understanding understanding of this guy. And for oh, him, the the strength of the screenplay was that it did not vilify him. That it allowed him to express the point of view that was consistent with who you know the yeah, right. world. Oh, yeah, they oh. don't make him into a monster. Uh, no, that's... it would be it wouldn't work if it was a cartoon. If it was two dimensional like mm-hmm. that. I mean, the movie would not work. I think that's very important, and I don't think Gal would take a part like that. What's also good, I have to say this, I do think it. You know, I think the show Third Rock from the the Sun. Fang with Gal for a whole generation. So I'm really glad to see him like in this or in a show like Dexter, really going back to his roots because we know Liv Gal from things like Obsession, Blowout, the De Palma movies. He, he played a heavy and a crazy very well. So I'm glad to see him like actually taking these other parts that because he that that sitcom and it was a great sitcom. Don't get me wrong. But, yeah, but even he, even uh, even Beatrice at dinner is different for him. Because he's yeah. he's known as a scenery chewer. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's good. I like him, but that's that's his stock and trade. It's kind of right. <laughs> chewing the mm-hmm. scenery is different, different variations of a madman. Uh, yes. So Beatrice Dinner is like a welcome return to kind of subtler dramatic work, like he gave in something like Terms of Endearment. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or uh, he he was what was that movie uh, that that Iris Sachs movie a couple of years ago that he did with uh, Yeah, Life is Strange. Alfred Molina. Yeah, Life um, is, uh, Love is Strange. Love is Strange. Love is strange. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was uh, that that was also very good. But you know, I mean, it's funny. You know, you mentioned his he started off as kind of a villain. And remember, he played kind of a vil- kind of a nominal villainous role in all that jazz too, in some yeah. ways. Uh-huh. Uh, but um, uh, but then after he had gotten sort of, uh, I don't know, stereotyped as a villain, he turned around and did things like Terms of Endearment and, and The World According to Garp. And The World the According to Garp. Yeah. The World According to Garp is a great role for him. I think that's what led him in. That's kind of what led him into the comedy realm with like Third Rock from the Sun. But you're you're right. There probably are a lot of people who – who you know really primarily know him from that show, which he's good on that show. It's that show's he is. not no, my he's cup. Very good. It's that show's not my deal. I don't watch it, but he's good. It doesn't uh, get the, the job done all the time. So. Yeah. Well, I've, I I don't really care for those t- Bonnie and Terry Turner uh, comedies like that, and and the '70s show and stuff like that. Right, I, right, I right. No, no, of course not. They, they um, kind of give me a headache. But the other but, movie um, he's good in. And he steals, I mean, talk about a scenery chewer, and he steals the movie outright from everyone is Buckaroo Banzai. Um, Buckaroo Banzai, that's another he great. Walked, he walked away with that movie completely. He did, he that did. Movie. And also, not, let's don't forget, too, the thing that I really, you know, he might have should have won an Oscar for this, is his role in Twilight Zone, the movie. Oh, yeah, where he's he, Where he recreates the William yeah. Shatner role in Nightmare at 20,000 Feet. That whole Fantastic. role is about hysteria. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and oh, oh boy, is he, he fantastic in that movie? Oh, he's uh, great in that. Yeah, 
he is. He's 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 fantastic. Yeah, and, and a great stage actor too, as well. So mm-hmm. uh, so he can yeah. he can really do it all. There was um, a, I mean there was a, there was a lot of hysteria about planes in the Twilight Zone. The movie yeah. that was on and off screen. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. You have to get that dig in at John Landis, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so what else is going on this week? Any news? Man, I saw I saw Tony Erdman last night. I missed it last year, but mm-hmm. I finally caught it on on Stars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, That's right, it is on Stars. I, mean, I, yeah. I, enjoyed, I enjoyed it very much, but... Uh, it's like a, a conventional uh, father-daughter thing. I mean, it's fun. You could see it as a, kind of like a situational comedy kind of premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrapped wrapped up in a whole bunch of what the fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they'll probably cut the what the fuck out for the Jack Nicholson uh, remake. I, and, and having said that, having said <laughs> that, it is like this is the thing that wanted to get that he wants. That he came out of retirement for to do an American version of this, I I just find I I just very curious what he'll what he will bring to it. I, I can't. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. Don't get me wrong. I'm just very curious. I, what he, I, you know, I could see, I could see both him and Kristen Wiig in it as I was watching it. Uh, I mean, I could see, I could see where it yeah. could work. I, I oh, think yeah, he yeah, will yeah. maintain. I think he will maintain s- s- some of the shocking factors in it. Maybe not the cupcake. But I could see the all new part. <laughs> you the, know the, they're going to the cut that part, out. <laughs> the all nude party at the end, I think, will remain. That will probably uh, remain, but the but the uh, but but the cupcake feed is definitely out. Oh, that's <laughs> totally out. Oh, that's out. Oh no! But they'll, no they'll way find another America. way. They'll find another shocking way to degrade. Uh, I mean, they do that in uh, in gross out comedies now. So I mean, they can find that. Hmm. Uh, and then, then you know, it's interesting because I was reading the Woody Allen, um, this Wonder Wheel, Wheel movie that comes out this fall. They say will be a big Oscar contender. Uh, like people that have seen it early, I know it's the closing night film of the New York Film Festival, but some people have already seen it and they said, "Look, this is the Kate Winslet will be a front runner for Best Actress," and it's a, it's it's one of Woody Allen's really good dramatic movies. Um. So I, I'm looking forward to that. But they on TCM the other night they played um, one of what I think is his better comedies from the past couple of decades, and that's Manhattan Murder Mystery. Uh, like oh yeah. Until yeah. until like it, it it doesn't necessarily fall apart plot wise. It falls apart in terms of execution towards the very end of it because it mm-hmm. you know he 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 can't he can't. It's not really in his wheelhouse to do like this. Action sequence, <laughs> with, right, right, with gunfire and all that kind of stuff and blood and all that. So it's it's not as wham bang as you would get from anyone else. But there are some. It works first of all because he and Diane Keaton are comedically so right together, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and 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 their relationship feels so lived in because you know they they've known each other for so long. You know, it was originally going to be Mia Farrow, and then this whole thing blew up about the the scandal, and so he brought in Diane Keaton last minute, and she said, "Okay, I'll do it." Um, so it's a delight to watch the two of them. But there are actually moments of surprising suspense in the movie. Yeah. Right there, there's there's like a sequence where the lights go dark, 
uh, where all the lights are shut out and they're trying to find their way out. And it's it's actually a little thrilling <laughs> coming from Woody Allen. It's it a, is. It's a joy, that movie. I, uh, you know, I totally agree. You know, I, I have a, um, I, I met my first Atlanta uh, fan of the show. His name is Chris Carr, and uh, and he uh, he and I had a discussion. Anyway, we've been talking back and forth. <coughs> he and I had a discussion about Manhattan Murder Mystery, and he he was kind of underwhelmed by it. And I said, well. It's it's not a great movie, but what's great about it, what is great about it, is seeing those two people together again. Yeah, that's really I mean, the, the selling point to me. Yeah, that's what's that's what's really great about it because uh, you know they could really those two people could really be in just about any movie together, and it, to me it's like they're like uh, they're like a great comedy team. They just are. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, they, uh, if if anyone is perfect for Woody Allen, it is Diane Keaton. They they just yeah. they just fit together. They fit together like two puzzle pieces. And um, and so that's the reason to love it. Uh, you know, I mean, I, but I do agree with you that, uh, that 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 there are some really effective uh, 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 suspense scenes in it. And I like the supporting performance from uh from that guy that uh the the uh, the suspect, the main suspect. Uh right. yeah. the guy that was in yeah. the Sopranos. <laughs> yeah. Uh I think he's very good in it. Um but uh yeah, that's that's always been one of my favorite uh favorite nineties era Woody Allen movies. Oh know? yeah, it's a good movie. I mean that and deconstructing Henry or yeah, like and I like Bullets over Broadway. I know a lot of people don't like that, I like that one a lot though too. Um, but he made a lot yeah. of great movies during that period. I think he made good ones. Made um, and then just real quick, I mean these these are all uh, previous released movies that I've seen. I haven't been to the theater. I saw Autopsy of Jane Doe, uh, which w- was one of the most uh, praised uh, horror slash supernatural type films of the past year or two, um, critically. I wasn't crazy about it. I won't lie to you. Okay. I watched it. I tell you, uh, I I really liked the first uh, 45 minutes or so of it. Oh, yeah. Before you you even knew the specifics of the supernatural element, when it was just Brian Cox and Emile Hirsch working together, father and son in a mortuary. Yeah. uh, I thought it it had a real uh, spooky vibe to it. And then, but I just found myself just not interested at all in the in the specifics of the supernatural element. Yeah, that's where it came um, fell apart for me. I mean, totally fell apart for me. But it's a good I mean it's it's gory it's it's practical gore. Like it's not yeah. let's see how far we could go with being as gory as possible. Mm-hmm. They're in a mortuary. So all all the gore is like reality based because <laughs> they mm-hmm. have to dissect these bodies and everything. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was a clever premise just from that standpoint. Um, and then I watched this old Robert Mitchum movie called Going Home, which is known as one of his worst. Mm. Oh God! Wait, wait, what year what is that? Seventy-one, I think. Wait, wait, is this the it, one where it, he it, with his is his son in the movie too? Is this yes, Jan Michael Vincent. And he goes, he comes home, you know, he comes up. Well, I don't know, oh, oh, is this the one where he gets out of prison? <laughs> 
Yes. I could tell yeah, you what I remember, it's about oh, if you bought it. Oh, God. It's awful. Yeah, here, first of all, here's how, here's how he agreed to do the movie, according to him. He had two scripts in front of him, and he was to sign for one of them. He was drunk. They were describing both of them to him, and he was going to choose based on location. One going home was in like a cold climate. The other one was in San Francisco. He thought he had signed for the one in San Francisco, but instead he signed for going home by mistake. He did that also when he talks about Midway. He loved working on Midway because he got to be um, – he said, I got to be in bed for my one scene. It was one day. It was the best work I've done ever. And I, just, I didn't have to do anything. I just had to lay in bed. Yeah, well, wow. he's earned the right. He earned the right. So yeah, yeah, uh, going home, the right. he gets he gets out of prison for killing uh, his wife, his son's mother, uh, in a drunken rage. The son has grown up. He's obviously very screwed up. He looks up his father, finds him, and uh, he's shacked up with his uh, girlfriend. Um, and the son kind of come reenters their life, and this. Uh, this arbitress of, uh, you know, they never really talk for most of the movie about what happened. Uh, so there's a tension throughout, like how it's going to express itself ultimately. It, it goes in some pretty dark places. Uh, you know, the son rapes his father's girlfriend. Uh, and it has a really weird conclusion where they come to blows. Uh, I guess it's, it's worth seeing as a curiosity. How did it's you see great. it? It was on TCM. TCM for his birthday. Yeah. Okay, all right. Okay. And yeah, I, that's, that is Jan Michael Vincent a good actor? I mean, I I, I know people claim no. that he was a great he was a very good actor. I never thought so. You, know, you no. know, maybe the mechanic, maybe Damnation Alley, but we're also talking about Damnation Alley. Too. Get out we, of town. Hey, no, come on, no. You can't have a, The Walking Dead without Damnation Alley. No, that's a joke movie. It, it is a joke movie, but you couldn't, you couldn't, no, ben, let me be very serious. You couldn't have The Walking Dead. Okay, all right, yeah, yeah. But, no, I don't, I don't yeah. think Damnation Alley, the scene with the Scorpions and George, George Lafarge is just like, I need a drink really badly. That, that movie's terrible. Oh, it's a, that's a bad movie. Uh, it's but, uh, a bad movie, it, but it's a bad, great movie, and it it's a. And it's, and it, and it's, uh, it's, so it's a fun, it's a fun, bad movie. It's, 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 it's not boring. It's a movie. It's a taco movie. It's, it's not, several tacos, actually. It's not boring. It's, but it's uh, but no, tacos. he wasn't a wait. He wasn't a great actor. <laughs> he was. I think the only movie he's really good in is Buffalo '66 because you just kept thinking, "Oh my God, is that Jan Michael Vincent?" I can't. Oh my God, I, is I, I, I honestly, you know, I mean, like I'm familiar with his movies, like in the '70s, like Tribes. Uh, 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 Baby Blue Marine, uh, uh, Buster and Billy, uh, Big Wednesday. Um, Big Wednesday. Now, 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 Big Wednesday is not because that, of him. That, not because no, of him. but he it, could have gotten hit by a truck in the movie, and it would have still been a good movie in the first five that, minutes. But uh, he's, but he's, uh, and was he in that movie that was about James Dean about the uh, uh, September thirtieth, nineteen fifty five? Was that him? I don't, I don't as, remember. As well. I, Honest. I know the movie you're talking about, but I don't know offhand. And he was also it in a movie been. called. He was in a movie <laughs> called Defiance, 
you know. Oh yeah, defiance. If you I read the that, if you read the press on him, I, I just always thought it was so odd because people talk about him now. He's uh, you know illness stricken. He's paraplegic. He lost a leg to diabetes. I mean, he yeah. after a lifetime of abusing his body with drugs, he's really paid the price. And everybody talks about the promise of the young Jan Michael Vincent. And I think I, he was relatively popular. I mean, he, I'm sure he made him he a was lot of money, particularly off that, t- off that TV show of Airwolf. Airwolf. But uh, yeah, Airwolf. He, he, was, he was never the next James Dean. And a lot of people no. talk about him like he was. I, I no, he, he wasn't. I think he Ken Wall, maybe, but he, not, not he was James He Dean. was good looking. He was good looking. And that was, that was the, the big deal. Ken Wall. <laughs> yeah, right. That was good. You got him. Yeah. That was good. You got him. That's I, good. I just that's, made that that's up good. on the spot, guys. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah. Uh, also, so. also, I saw I saw a movie that uh, you know I rewatched a movie. It came on, and I remembered very little about it except that I was underwhelmed by it <clears throat> when I first saw it years ago when it came out. Uh, so I rewatched it and saw if it aged well. It, it has the best cast ever assembled. Really, it is Robert Benton's Twilight, not the vampire Twilight. Robert Bitten's Twilight. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you get Paul, Paul Newman, uh, James Gardner, Gene Hackman, Susan Sarandon, Stockard Channing, M. Emmett Walsh. I mean, like Gene Carlin. And Reese Witherspoon. Like all these, yes, all these great people. Uh, and it, it is like a, it is supposed to be like a throwback kind of '40s detective noir yeah. kind of thing, like a Sam, like a like a elderly Sam Spade. Uh, thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's uh, a good movie. It, it just, I liked it. I thought it was a good movie. It's worth it's worth seeing just because of the talent involved, but it, mm. it is a lot. It is kind of a lifeless movie. Uh, it's it, a little. You, sleepy. you watch it and you feel like it should be better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh yeah. It's yeah, really it is. It's a little sleepy, yeah, but it is great to see that cast. You're right about it, that. Remember, it comes out. It, it should okay, be called the Big Sleep. It's so funny you bring that up because what's the movie that comes out the same weekend as Twilight? The Big Lebowski. Uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. Hey, you know what uh, else came out? U.S. Marshals, which I know we all just are so fond for U.S. Marshals. How can you remember oh, this? Because I don't do enough drugs. How oh, <laughs> can you remember what came out all in that same weekend? Oh, I that do. is crazy. I saw all three of them on that weekend. That's fun. That is that that is nuts. Um, that is nuts. But I think it's very interesting that Twilight and the Big Lebowski came out at the same time. I do find Dude, that. And, and speaking of great casts, I, I was rewatching Saving Private Saving Private Ryan the other night, and I forgot all the people that were in that movie. Uh, it's some odd people like. Fucking Ted Danson's in. <laughs> yeah, Ted, Ted Danson, Danson. Paul, Paul Giamatti, Paul Giamatti, Brian Cranston. I mean, yeah. Geez. yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of great people in that movie. I mean, that's just, just uh, you know a what? There's. Uh, let me talk about a movie that I revisited recently. That uh, that I was like, wow, again, another incredible cast, but to the service of absolutely nothing is uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Rumblefish, which has Matt Dillon, of course, in the lead, Mickey Rourke, uh, but also Dennis Hopper, who's great in it, by the way, the, mm-hmm. the best performance in it, uh, Diane Lane, uh, Vincent Spano, Nicolas Cage, Chris Penn, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Diana Scarwid, uh, and Tom Waits, and a very early performance from Sofia Coppola, who is who is billed as Domino. 
she plays uh, she plays Diane Lane's little sister. She actually gives right. a lot of a lot of lines in it. That. I finally bought that on Criterion. I do need to revisit that. Um, you know what though? It's a big nothing because uh, it, it's beautifully shot, and of course it has one of my favorite scores in it. But uh, uh, the score, uh, I'd forgotten this, that the score is actually better on the soundtrack album than it is in the movie. It feels (laughs) like they took a really great score and just sort of sampled a little of it and used it in the movie as sort of to punch up certain things. But it's not as good as it was on the record. So, but... um, but also, its big its big negative is that it's a, it's got a nothing screenplay. It's it, literally nothing happens. It's just everybody's just sort of hanging out. There's a couple of fights. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it does have you know a tragic ending, but uh, the, the, it just feels like there's no real driving story. To it, right, right, and uh, I, I know they're trying to make it into some kind of Greek tragedy type of thing. Effie Hinton uh, is the writer, and I know that's what she wanted to devise with Coppola, uh, sort of a, a kids' version of a Greek tragedy. But uh, uh, it just it just does not work. It's it's an experiment that fails. Uh, although, yeah. well, that's, visually, that's what it's it beautiful. is. It's an experiment. Yeah, and, and, it is an experiment. Uh, isn't isn't that shot by Robbie Mueller? Didn't he do the uh, on it? Uh, you know what? I can't I can't remember now. I, I don't think so. I think it's uh, I think it's somebody else. But um, I, I just well about, was, about it, those movies. Um, the S.E. Hinton Coppola movies. Um, I always there's a great thing I heard. Someone said that The Outsiders was like his Godfather for young adults, and Rumblefish was his Apocalypse Now for young adults. And that was always a I always thought that was a really interesting analogy. The cinematographer, um, I mean, by the way, is the cinematographer is Stephen Burham. Uh, Burham. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, well, but, we're yeah talking about movies that we revisited a couple of weeks ago. I finally watched um, Boogie Nights, and I just love it more than I've ever loved it before. Um, I remember I wish we watched it. We were going to do a show about that. We never. I don't think we ever did. Um, my memory is so hazy. We might have, but I remember we I'd watched it and I did a lot of research because I do I love that movie and it just even twenty years later I think it's actually more powerful than it was when I first saw it. Um, I just mesmerized you, by it. You know, for me that movie is is very good. It's great to see. It's got a great cast. Uh, and it is dynamically filmed. It's got a great score and so forth. Uh, not just the score, but also the song score. Uh, however, I feel I feel like it's a little. I, I it's just a little too derivative of Goodfellas for me, and you know. Well, it, here's, it is his good. It is his Goodfellas. It is trying to be his Goodfellas. I mean, there's no yeah. doubt about that. It, it's a movie with really great scenes in it too, but but uh, to me, uh, at the end, it doesn't add up. Uh, to a great movie, uh, like it, it, it's it's a very good one, but it, it it just falls short of being great. Here's here's a perfect exa- reason uh, why I I one of the things that you know is emblematic of how the movie fails to me. Okay, when you have a scene with someone 
walking into some place and they have an all white suit on in a movie like this, you know soon that white suit is going to be covered in blood. And this movie does that. Uh, it, it has a way of sort of signaling what's going to happen before it happens in, in a way that, that takes the movie down a notch uh, for me, that, that, that takes, it, it takes it into sort of uh, cliched realms. Uh, well, I mean, uh, it's better than getting barbecue sauce on it from a rib joint. I mean, <laughs> you, I, there's just something corny about like an all white suit. You know, bully beep. When you see somebody wearing an all white suit in a movie, it's going to be covered in blood or something soon. Well, uh, you know what? I'm I'm, sh- I'm sure post uh, post Saturday Night Fever, there are a lot of people in the uh, yeah, disco thinking, LA disco area that were wearing all white suits. But uh, mm, uh, that being okay, said, well, you, uh, that, that's 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 a fair that's a fair argument. I'll, yeah, I'll I mean, I, I was just saying it's a sign of the times, really. I mean, it's, but that being said, that, that, that being said, I mean that 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 scene always surprised me. I mean, the I, I didn't expect the arm robber to come in. If you're talking about the donut thing with with yes. uh, Don well, Cheadle, okay. yes. <clears throat> I mean, the, how how the the ricochet of shots and the. I thought that was like a that's not like a highlight of the movie for me. I just I there are a lot of people that miss that energy of Paul Thomas Anderson uh-huh. because uh, he's he's taken a really kind of more laid back tone. <laughs> Since that well, movie. He's, he, uh, he he's not being as quite as that movie is entertaining, but it's also it does all the obvious things like. Obviously, these people, when the 80s hit, obviously things are going to start getting real shitty real quick. And they do, uh, because everybody knows the 80s were real shitty. Uh, And so everybody everybody gets AIDS or, you know, gets hooked on coke or dies of an overdose or whatever. Um, Well, that's what happened. I mean, it's not, let's not be, let's not beat around the bush. That's what happened. But it's a kind of a cliche. It's a cliche, but it's a, yeah, but it, it, it did happen. It's only a cliche because it, it, it's real. Because yeah, I mean, it's a real thing. I mean, I mean, I can't be old and no one does. Everyone, I mean, everyone was on coke in the eighties. I can vouch for this. Everyone was on coke. Every, I mean, a lot of people, relatives. I mean, everyone was doing cocaine in the eighties. I don't care who you were. Doctors, lawyers, everyone. I, everyone you come into contact with I'm okay. was doing I'm okay. drugs. I guess I'm okay with people with it dra- dramatizing a lot of that, but it does it in sort of a cliched, obvious way that uh, that just doesn't ring true to me. I mean, his his later movies, you know, uh, I I feel like he went, he he's it's it's a it's an early uh, it's an early movie from somebody signaling his later greatness, you know. Uh, he, he, he's a, he's an artist that's gotten better, I think. And whatever you think of the master, I know a lot of people don't like the master and don't like inherent vice, but uh, believe me, you're going to be going back to that in a couple of years and going, <clears throat> what was I thinking? I I I, I totally no, inherent did not. vice inherent vice is is magnificent. The master is brilliant. You got the touch.
Nick, you want to lay it down? Are we rolling on the rehearsal?